Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. Thanks so much for tuning in to another Closer Today, where me, Monica, from My Mindful Me, help you get through the BS of infertility one inspirational clip at a time. Today we have Rob Wolf on, and if I say Wolf wrong, it's because I never really learned how to say it as a child. Um, wolf, Wolf. Yeah, I get teased about it all the time still. <laughs> but his clip is actually taken from a conference, I think, for health coaches and nutrition coaches like myself. And so there's some kind of like weird phrases in there. Um, but I wanted to bring it to you because I think um, he is kind of, if you don't know who he is, he's kind of like the godfather of the paleo movement. He is one of like the top guys who really brought the paleo movement um, to the forefront. And he is kind of like taking a step back and really looking at um, the human race as a whole and why we are having the issues that we are having. And he wrote a book called Wired to Eat from his kind of like observations and his conclusion. But I love this book because he really talks about you know the psychology of our eating habits and why it is so fucking hard to start a new diet um or rethink why are we eating the way we're eating or why can't we give up that one thing that we know is bad for us but we still keep doing that i mean i know for me during my journey um I never thought I was unhealthy. I didn't think that the way that I was eating was unhealthy and contributing or was the main factor of my infertility. If you looked at me, I was I looked healthy. Um, in hindsight, now I, I know that I had all these normal little health issues that were adding up to my overactive immune system and I had a massive leaky gut and that's why I wasn't getting pregnant even though it was going unexplained for years and years and years but I love how he is now saying look there's not one right way for us because when I was going through my journey, one, this information was kind of scarce. It was just like these guys doing their blogs and their podcasts and now it's getting a little bit more mainstream and he talks about how there's like this um, fight between the communities of everyone like vegan, paleo, AIP, keto, um vegetarian whole 30 you know god the list goes on right and that we actually really need to like take a step back and look at the individuals and one get down to an individual um i don't want to say diet because it's because it needs to become a lifestyle right We're, we don't want to be on a diet um it's our new lifestyle and to what in our heads, in our mental, you know, realm of thinking 
why are we so hung up on not being able to change when we know there needs to be a change, right? And I still, to this day, even though I'm, what, like four or five years into healthy living, you know, still like a glass of red wine when I know it's not good for me. Um, And do I think there's like moderation? Um, Yes and no. I think it depends on who you are. Like for me, I can't moderately eat um, nightshades. They don't work for me. Um, And people with celiac disease cannot moderately eat wheat or um, gluten per se. So I definitely um, like his new message and I am really happy to see um, people who are at the forefront of this movement kind of taking a step back and going, okay, I know I preached this way for a really long time, but look, this is what I'm seeing. And if we can change our thoughts and our, um, you know, actions towards the individual, we're going to be able to help a lot more people out there. So without further ado, here is Rob. So my background a little bit, I was a a research biochemist in the areas of autoimmunity and cancer research. And I had a pretty serious health crisis in my mid-20s. I had so many wacky poo-related issues that my doctors thought that I needed a bowel resection. I had high blood pressure, altered triglycerides. I was a mess, and I was the ripe old age of about 26, 27 years old. And I honestly thought I was going to die. And then this, uh, through kind of an interesting set of circumstances, this idea of an ancestral diet, a paleo diet, got on my radar. Short story is that it completely changed my life. Um, I've been kind of promulgating that pseudoscience for the last almost 20 years. Seems to have been pretty successful with folks. But when I first launched into this whole process, I was very, it may be a surprise, I'm kind of like an engineer biochemist by trade. I was kind of a dick in the way that I approached things. <laughs> I, I was like, here's how you do it. Uh, uh, Arthur Murray dance school deal, put your right foot here, put your left foot there, boom, 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 go, go along. And I couldn't figure out why people uh, hit some sort of a log jam, why they couldn't just keep doing what it was that I asked them to do. Um, Diet and lifestyle changes are kind of cool in that you can try them on like a sweater. You know, you try it on, you're like, oh, I look pretty good in that. I, I, I like that. We get pretty immediate feedback, 30 days. We've got some sort of a sense of, is this working for me? Is it not? And so it was always intriguing and also frustrating for me that when I would try to help folks, that there was some sort of a sticking point, some sort of a log jam. And then as I got out of the process of being focused on myself and my own thoughts about the way that people should approach this, I started actually saying, what's going on with that person? And I started asking some questions around their process. So how many folks in here are coaches, healthcare providers? Quite a few, quite a few. So I I think that this will be valuable for everybody, I hope so, but it'll be particularly valuable, I think, for the people who help coach other people and hopefully You can shave a couple of decades off of your coaching strategy so that you start looking to the person that you're working with and meet them where they are. It took me an enormous amount of time to learn that very simple lesson, and and I could have helped a lot more people had I been more effective with that. My, My whole, I guess, kitsch here story is that we should not be surprised that living in our modern world is challenging. 
that navigating our food, our health environment, we should not be surprised by that at all. One of the biggest challenges that I got from people when I really sat down with them and kind of uh, uh, felt what was going on with them was that people felt a profound sense of guilt because they found that what they were doing was difficult. They saw other people, every once in a while, somebody is, we all know these people, they can eat anything they want, they can do whatever they want, they stay up late, everybody has like an Uncle Charlie somewhere that like smoked and drank and chased women into his 90s. I'm not that Uncle Charlie, if I did that I would be dead in my 30s. So, um, so I'm hoping that what I can share with you all today is this idea that it's not your fault, it's not your client's fault. If you are struggling with what we're trying to do today to be healthy and to live a good life, should not be surprising. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have hard work to do, but at least if we can diffuse some of that guilt, some of that drama around this process, hopefully then we can move forward and make some better, better choices. So most of the people, problems that folks are concerned with tends to be weight and health related, also some performance and longevity. But these are, would you guys agree, this is, kind of, this is most of what folks are, are concerned with. And would you find it unreasonable to say that most of the weight and health issues are probably related to the food we eat, maybe the amount of food that we eat? It's a pretty big deal. We're gonna talk about sleep and exercise and some other stuff, but that's, that's really kind of a, a big deal. So just think about that a little bit. Okay, so check this thing out. Can you guys see what's going on there? So we have a European style outlet, we have an American style plug, and then we have two toenail clippers, and who travels with two toenail clippers? Like, you know. So the, the, the way I found this image, I put into Google Images, wrong way to fix a problem. And this is what popped up, okay? So now keep this idea of wrong way to fix a problem in mind as we go through a little bit more material here. So I would suggest that this might be a problem. This is uh, from a, a NASDAQ article looking at adult obesity rates in the United States. It's on an exponential growth curve. It's going up and up and up. The uh, Congressional Budget Office, which is a pretty nonpartisan outfit that uh, does statistical analysis for the government, projects that by 2030, we will spend 300% of GDP on diabetes-related issues alone. That means we take every nickel, dime, and penny of productivity that this country has, multiply it by three, and it just goes to dealing with diabetes-related issues. That's not $1 spent on education, filling a pothole, building a bridge. That seems like a problem. This is uh, projected cases of type 2 diabetes. Similar growth trend, we have these exponential growth trends going on. Type 3 diabetes which is Alzheimer's disease. Again, exponential growth trends. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you folks, is your smartphone in your pocket, is it faster and better than the one that you had five years ago? Yeah, a lot. Is it cheaper? Maybe, maybe. When you look at what it can do relative to what it costs, in general, this stuff is faster and better. Do we have more information at our fingertips about cancer and diabetes and Parkinson's and heart disease than we've ever had in history. Yes, in 2013 there were 30,000 peer-reviewed articles that you could find on PubMed related to type 2 diabetes. We have more information at our fingertips than we've ever had in history, but yet 
all of these trends are going up, and they're going up not a little bit, they're going up at exponential rates. So we're doing, we're solving the problem the wrong way. And I would argue that there are two really clear key factors that are at the root of the way that we are, are solving this problem the wrong way. First one, how many folks have seen that? Eat less, move more. Isn't that just so intuitively obvious? Hey, if you're having some health problems, most of the health problems that we face, and we'll talk a little bit about like the protein, carb, fat, uh, uh, macronutrient wars in a little bit, but, and you know, is a calorie a calorie? We'll talk about that stuff a little bit, but in general, this is kind of the thing that we're told, right? Eat less, move more. That should be the solution. There's a related solution that we're told to embrace everything in moderation, right? These things are so obvious. Come on, just get with the program. Eat less, move more, everything in moderation, and you'll be fine. If you can't do this, you're a failure. You're morally weak, you're flawed. Let me ask you this. How do you do moderation there? I'm not really that into sweets, but the chip aisle, that is a hooker and cocaine binge for me. Like, swipe my credit card. Next time you find me, my underwear's on my head, and I'm like passed out under the, under the, the counter over here. Maybe the salty stuff isn't your, your thing. Can you do moderation there? Can you eat less, move more there? I have a few people saying, yeah, I can. Well, you are the rare folks. I can't do that. And when we look at our modern rates of degenerative disease, nobody can do that stuff. There's two places where eat less, move more, and everything in moderation works. The first place is here. It's called a metabolic ward. A metabolic ward is basically prison without the shower perks. Wait for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sign people up on this program, you take them in, every bit of food that they eat is weighed and measured and anything that they don't eat is also quantified. They poo in a container and it's uh, analyzed for uh, uh, carbon and nitrogen content. They pee in a, a jug. It's incredibly expensive, but in metabolic ward settings, eat less, move more works because you are effectively in prison you can't sneak any extra food into your system. And so we can basically modify people's intake because there's no way for them to cheat the system. There's one other place that eat less, move more, and everything in moderation works. Right there. <laughs> God, I love that show. So we are told this constantly, eat less, move more, everything in moderation, and you're going to be fine. Is that working? That is, it, now, let me ask you. I'm, I'm leading you along here. Do you guys agree that that is generally the recommendation that we get from the dietetics establishment, the medical establishment? Just eat less, move more. Everything in moderation, right? It is failing. It is failing us, and I would say that it is setting us up for massive failure, and it's setting us up because we head into this moral dilemma about why am I the one person that can't do this, but you are not the one person. This is everybody. This is our state as humans. So, everybody remember airplane? Yeah. Just a little statistical stuff. Uh, about 180 million people a year in the US try a diet four to five times a year, typically. Most of the time, they fail. By failure, it means they don't stick with it long term. They don't reach the goals that they uh, are endeavoring towards. Uh, about in 2009, 220,000 morbidly obese people had gastric bypass. The average cost for that is $15,000 to $35,000. 
Just, and I could go on and on and on with all kinds of statistics like this. We're trying, but we're really not doing the right things, and we're not setting people up for success. Every once in a while, we ask the question, why? But usually, the why relates to some sense of morality, some sense of fundamental failure. People get this idea that at a core level, we are just flawed. Now, I will actually make a, an argument here that there is some element to being human woven into our genetics, woven into our evolutionary past that makes our modern world challenging, but it's not a failure, but it may be a liability at this point. But it's a very different perspective than what we usually look at. We are told that we lack moral fiber. If we could just be better, if we could just be better people, make better decisions, everything would be okay. But clearly that's not what is happening. Maybe we're just lazy. Are we just lazy? If we were more motivated, if we could work a little harder, maybe everything would be okay. Again, I'm gonna sell you that this idea of laziness is baked in the cake. Being lazy is what the reason why our species is here today. And I'm gonna show you my take on why that is here in just a moment. And this has turned into a, a state now of fat shaming that is absolutely preposterous. The fat shaming that occurs with people, and it's almost a cottage industry now, that some people have carved out in making people feel bad about failing in this modern world is one of the most repugnant things I've ever seen in my life. It is appalling. Now, we still, if we want to change what's happening with us, we need to modify what we're doing. But blaming people for simply being human is, in my opinion, not the right way to go. Occasionally, we start asking some more quantifiable questions, like, do we eat too many carbohydrates? And man, the last 60 years has been this thing called the, the, what I call the macronutrient wars, where we try to find this magical, perfect ratio of protein, carbs, fat, where the angels will sing and everything is right, and it, you know, it, it's uh, the, the golden da Vinci code ratio of, of protein, carbs, fat. It doesn't exist. We have ancestral models of people who ate very, very low amounts of carbohydrate, the Inuit near the Arctic Circle, eat virtually no carbohydrate throughout the, the course of a year or their lifetime, and historically they have been virtually free of modern degenerative disease until they start adding in modern refined foods, then we start seeing problems. On the other side, we have the Catavans, who eat an almost 70% carbohydrate diet, again, from unrefined carbohydrate sources, and they are similarly devoid of modern degenerative disease until they start eating modern refined foods. So I will say that depending on who you are, what your gut, gut biome is, what your birth history was, were you breastfed? Were you vaginally birthed? How early did you get uh, antibiotics, you know, playing off the, the last talk? That can set up a vector for you being more or less carb tolerant. I tend to be in the shallow end of the gene pool with regards to carb tolerance. I need to eat pretty low carb if I want to have good metabolic health. But that's not everybody. That's something that I've had to figure out on my own. But there's a reality that we have great examples of cultures that eat both high carb and low carb and are very healthy. The thing that ends up getting them is when we get into refined foods. Now, occasionally, somebody asks a really good question. They say, are we eating too many calories? And I would say that that's probably a yes, but why are we eating too many calories? Why are we specifically eating too many calories, whereas these traditional cultures are not? And that really starts getting at the, the crux of the matter. This is really interesting. What this is is the amount of calories 
per person available in the food system over time. Look at how much more opportunity that we have than what we've had in the past. And this really gets at the crux of what I want to share with you guys today. I would say that our primary problem is novelty. We have too many food options. And these food options are amazing. We have some amazing food options out there. Some of the vendors are going to want to get like a Tony Soprano and part me up and throw me out in, the, in a, a garbage bag. And that's not really what I'm, what I'm talking about. But I would, what, what I'm going to sell you guys on, the, the greasy used car salesman pitch that I'm, I'm going to share with you today, is that this novelty concept is really at the heart of the challenge that we face. Uh, American supermarkets stock over 50,000 items. There's about 11,000 new food and food-like items that are introduced each year. So you can check out more of Rob. He has a podcast, a website. He's on all the social media platforms. His website is over at robwolf.com and his name is spelt with two Bs. Um, that clip is on the YouTube um, and is called Rob Wolf at the Take Back Your Health Conference. It's not your fault how you're wired to eat. And like I said, his book, Wired to Eat, is a huge inspiration to me. And I have put it up in the Mindful Me shop under egg and sperm health. Um, you can check it out over there. On the this Friday's episode of the Infertile Diagnosis, Sarah and I dive into why your fertility diet might not be working. So we are going to really break down some knowledge for you and if you are feeling frustrated about your diet um, this is definitely an episode to listen to or you can even watch it over on youtube once again all the links are going to be in your show notes and that is it for me today i hope you have a wonderful week and i am looking forward to having you back on friday for another episode of the infertile diagnosis mm -hmm.